This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. Hey, everybody. Your host, Mr. Adam X, and you're listening to the Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective. I just Googled how to intro a podcast because that's how I feel about podcast intros. They're tricky. Clearly, I haven't figured it out. But I don't know. What do you guys want to hear at the beginning of these things? You know, I can always talk about how I'm feeling, what's going on in my world. But I don't know if anyone cares about that. So maybe you guys do. Maybe you do. What I do need to ask is if you can go on the little iTunes or the Spotify or whatever you whatever platform you listen to, leave a five-star review. Leave a review. Tell us what you think. Let us know. If you do leave a review, screenshot it. Send it to at Mr. Adam X. Slide into my DMs. Uh, I'll send you out a care package. A couple stickers. I don't know. I'll look and see what I have. So, yeah, if you're feeling it, do it. It helps me. It helps you. And everyone wins. How about that? It's uh, Wednesday morning, so this should be out right now. But I'm sipping coffee and taking my time. So I apologize for that. But life happens and, you know, deal with it. I have two fantastic sponsors this week with two amazing offers. So get your wallets out, people, because we're spending money. My first sponsor this week is The Feed and specifically Kyoku. Kyoku is a breakfast shake for athletes. Their ingredients are hand-picked. They utilize 16 superfoods, greens. Uh, you know, you got your broccoli, your spinach, your green pepper. They've got turmeric, apple, tart cherry, black pepper, beetroot, chickpea, brown rice, hemp seed, chia seed, sweet potatoes. Here's the best part. It doesn't taste like grass. It's got hints of turmeric and cinnamon. It is gluten-free and vegan. It solved the breakfast dilemma, at least for me. I'm in the van. I'm quick. I'm traveling. I'm doing stuff every day. And I can wake up, add some almond milk, add some milk, add some water. I prefer it with almond milk. You know, you can add a scoop of peanut butter in there if you want. You can kind of do whatever you want, but it's a quick shake and it fuels you for the day. It's It's been one of my favorite new routines and things to do. But here's the best part. I can talk about it. I can tell you what it tastes like. I can tell you how great it is for you. Here's the kicker. Here at the Pursuit Podcast, which is part of the Art of Collective, in collaboration with thefeed.com, we're giving it to you for free. Stop your car, pull over, go to www, hit that World Wide Web, thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit and try this for free don't take it from me listen to yourself it's free cost you five dollars for shipping so we got to get you blame the postal service if you want www.thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit and try kyoku for free i know i told you we're giving stuff away we're giving it more away this week this time, it's for my friends over at Rumple, rumple.com. You guys are familiar with them because we've talked about them before. Personally, I've used a Rumple for over five years in the van. I've had the blanket. Now I've got the towel. 
It's an everywhere towel. It's ultra absorbent. It's packable. It's quick drying. It repels sand, pet hair, odor, and stains. It's literally a towel you can just keep in your bag and bring it with you everywhere. I find myself using it after mountain biking just to wipe my face. But let's go back and talk about the blankets. They're weatherproof, durable, and most of all, they're cozy. They recycle over 5 million plastic water bottles a year to offset their carbon footprint. This company cares. Rumpel.com, R-U-M-P-L.com. And I think my favorite part about all of this, this whole brand, is that they make products that can be used indoors and outdoors. From the campfire to your couch, Rumpel's got you. And here's the best part. I know. Crazy deals this week. We're giving it away. From 521, so today's 518 if you're listening the day it comes out. So from 521 to 530, the collective and our friends over at Rumpel are giving you 25% off rumpel.com. And if you use code OUTOFBOUNDSSBB, we'll give you a beer blanket on us. That's one more time. 25% off rumple.com. This is the best deal you're going to get on these blankets ever. And we're going to give you a free beer blanket. Just use promo code out of bounds, all capital letters, out of bounds, SBB, as in Sam Beard Beard. Out of bounds, SBB. 25% off rumple.com and get a beer blanket on us. So just to recap, the feed.com forward slash the pursuit is going to give you free Kyoku and rumple.com use code out of bounds SBB and you'll save 25% off and get a free beer blanket. We're giving it away this week, folks. We are giving it away. And now for my favorite part of this entire show is my guest, or this week I should say guests. I found them on Instagram, and I was so intrigued by their story that I had to talk to them. Their story, it's insane. I I mean, you're going to hear it, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, but it's my two friends over at Her Odyssey, and they're doing human-powered hikes, bikes, kayaks, paddles from America to America. So it's about a 20,000-mile-ish trek, and it's insane. Uh, Two wonderful humans, Fidget and Neon, we call them by their trail names because that is what they prefer to be called by we talked about it uh on on the podcast so you'll get we'll deep dive into that a little bit we'll talk about the inspiration for the roots and kind of why they set out to do what they're doing it is absolutely an insane overwhelming task and hearing them being excited to continue to do this while they're about seventeen thousand miles into this trek so Thank you, Fidget and Neon, for taking the time to chat. I know you have an extremely busy schedule. I'm going to ask a favor for all my listeners. Since we're giving everything away for free this week with our ads on our on our with our lovely partners, 
If you can go over to their uh, Patreon at Her Odyssey, and I will link that below. If you can donate even a dollar, that will help Fidget and Neon to the finish line. Uh, it costs that we talk about it at the end, and it's important. And, you know, they're they're blogging about it. They're Instagramming about it. And it's a, it's a mission. It is insane. And the support they're getting from their fans is what keeps them rolling. And it costs them about a dollar a mile. So even one buying, you know, donating one dollar to this cause helps them go a mile. So that's a lot. Um, I won't get into that too much because we talk about it. It's time for the show. So without further ado, here it is. My friends Fidget and Fidget and Neon. I'm fidgeting over here at Her Odyssey. Awesome. Well, it makes sense since I'm usually the one who has the bad ideas and leads us into them. And then Neon is the one who gets us out of the sticky situation. So here we go. <laughs> uh, um, my given name is Bethany Hughes. My trail name that I got when I first started through hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2010 is Fidget. And let's see. I started into the outdoors when I was probably about four or five. I grew up in South America and uh, my dad was a mountain climber. And so, you know, when I could, I'd follow him up into the mountains. And when I couldn't, he would carry a signal mirror. And at a certain time, he would, you know, signal down um, from the mountaintop so that even when I wasn't in the mountain, I was dreaming about him. And um, as I grew up, I, you know, I, I we came back to the United States when I was about 13, and that was a really difficult transition time and um, forever altered the way I perceived the world and led to some mental health challenges and some uh, life expectation balance challenges as a teenager. So I spent, um, yeah, some time on that journey as a teenager and found my balance once I got back outdoors again. That led me to, I ended up being a backpacking guide for the Boy Scouts of America at Philmont for three or four summers. Um, and then I was, after I graduated from university, I studied in the Oxbridge program and uh, college was kind of tough, sitting there writing all the time, but I got to study at Oxford for a year and we only had tutorials once a week. And I learned that if I just threw everything in my backpack and went for a walk, um, for a week, I could write pretty good papers and got pretty good grades. And so when I finished uni, I went to um, Alaska and worked for Alaska Icefield Expeditions out of Skagway, Alaska. And um, running sled dogs was where I heard about this mythical activity called through hiking where people, <laughs> these like superhuman people would walk across an entire continent. So of course I decided I had to do that and I through hiked the Pacific Crest Trail and that's where I met Neon and a lot of my uh, closest trail family and uh, soul kin out there. And as I was going through the throes of, of the slump after you finish a through hike, um, I was reading this book called Born to Run. And Chris McDougall just casually mentions that, you know, the longest cordillera of mountains in the world runs from the Andes in the south to the Rockies in the north. 
And between those two mountain ranges was comprised the entire first 20 years of my life. And in this one moment, sitting behind a Vietnamese food dumpster in the industrial district of Kansas City, I <laughs> got struck by the calling that I was going to uh, human power my way the length of the Americas. Um, and that happened in 2000. 11. And since that time, pretty much everything in my life has been oriented towards that journey. That, I mean, that's yeah. a, that's quite the resume, like right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. You were, I mean, you were literally like mate, like your father mate, like, like tricked you into, into doing this into fi not tricked. It's a great trick, but like, it was, it was embedded in you. It was like, that's what you were going to do. This is your calling, whether or not you knew it or not. Sounds like it was just like, this is what you're, this is what you were made to do. This is why you are on this planet earth. Absolutely. It's very interesting how just a lot of seemingly disparate threads can come together to like weave you into the kind of person to show up in those aha moments and to be able to, I think that's one of my, my knacks that has uh, kept us alive as we've, um, you know, slow traveled across the Americas has been to be able to like read signals and messages before they're clear. It's almost instinctive. Um, it's, it's more of a gut sense than a brain sense. Sometimes the, the safety factors and yeah, it's, it goes back to childhood for sure. It's wild. And now Lauren, AKA neon, I don't know if we do the AKAs here, but, and we'll talk about <laughs> the trail names as we go, but neon, tell us a little bit about your background. So then everyone listening just kind of knows who we are talking to here. All right. Um, my name's Lauren. Uh, my trail name is neon. I got that in 2008, uh, when I did the Appalachian trail. And um, I grew up in Pennsylvania with a very large yard. So that's kind of how I started my childhood was just like running out, like being, I call myself a free range child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we would just go out and come back sometimes for lunch or come back, like go to a friend's house for lunch. And we had, it was like all the neighborhood kids would run around together. Um, not exactly getting into trouble, but not exactly who knows what. Um, and as I got older, I got more into wandering around with friends and often alone and, um, found it useful in, um, just like processing things like a walking meditation type thing. And then when I got to college, um, I was just getting into backpacking and like, um, the, the outing club of the university I went to <clears throat> had a pretty amazing group of people that I was, I was meeting and everything and started guiding for them. And, um, my freshman year roommate actually in college came home after having dinner with a friend of hers and was like, I think I'm going to hike the Appalachian trail when I graduate or after graduation. And I was like, Oh, what's that? Cause even like being from Pennsylvania, I didn't 
um, I hadn't heard of the Appalachian Trail. And even though, what is it, 250 or 280 miles of it go through Pennsylvania? Yeah, but there's a lot of parts of Pennsylvania. Like, there's, like, your Pittsburgh, there's your Erie, there's, like, the Poconos region. Like, for people listening, there's a lot of, like, (laughs) there's the city, and then you could be, like, in the... Like, it's a really weird state when it comes to that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's very diverse, for sure. Um, And so she explained it, what it was, and she was like, oh, it goes from, is this trail that goes from Georgia to Maine? And I was like, oh, man, that'd be sweet. Maybe I'll do that. And then four years later, her dad drove us down to um, to Georgia, and we started the the trail at the at Amicalola Falls in Georgia and hiked up the approach trail and started. And um, she she had to get off about 500 miles in due to a summer job that she was going to do, but I kept going and have obviously not stopped since <laughs> other than to make money for other journeys. Um, but in that, I was able to meet some of my best friends on the Appalachian Trail and then, as Fidget had said, uh, meet her on the Pacific Crest Trail. And then she actually supported me when I did the Continental Divide Trail um, and sent me my food resupplies. And even she was living in um, Summit County in Colorado at the time and was um, able to, I was able to take a pretty big break there where she just like trail magic the crap out of us, (laughs) which was amazing. Um, (laughs) And yeah, between that, I've worked for um, wilderness therapy programs in Utah and learned a lot um, about myself as well as just generally the world around me in that era. And then joining her, I didn't commit until to, to the Her Odyssey project until we, I had asked her a bunch of questions every time I came to visit her in Colorado and then coming through on the CDT, um, asked a bunch of questions and then she would answer them and I would go back and think about it some more. And then I committed at the beginning of 2015 to um, South America. And she, the way she phrased it, she was like, specifically, she's like, all right, I'll do it. But I'm only like, I'll only promise to do South America was like her standards of being realistic. (laughs) I mean, listening to the both of you for 10 minutes, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, there are two types of people in this world. And I am like you guys, are like oh, you want to go on the Appalachian Trail? And like someone asked me that, I'm like, no. And that's the end of that conversation <laughs> forever. And you guys are like, yeah, I'll tr- I'll try that. Like that sounds like an okay time, like a thing that I could do with my next months. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah, three years later. Yeah, like. <laughs> and his apps and then like oh yeah i'll commit but i'm only going to commit to this like are you kidding me that is that is a giant commitment <laughs> so you just commit to what south america and then you're in now it's like you're in you can't you've started well go well, ahead sorry like the hilarious thing to me is like i was stoked that she was willing to do it because one of the times like i had no idea that she was basically like quite like uh I don't know quite, this isn't exactly the right word, but neon is a very uh, 
sneaky person. So I was like, <laughs> not aware that I was being interviewed for her considering coming. All I knew is like, I was called to do this thing. And I was like, if I go try to do this by myself, I'm probably going to die doing it. And then checked in with myself. And I was like, are you okay with that? And I was like, I mean, I'd rather not. But yeah, if I'm being called to do this, like I'll show up. But I just kind of threw it up there to, you know, the powers that be. And it was like, if you want me to survive this, there's a couple things I'm going to need that I can't do myself. And it's going to be somebody to come alongside me. And um, I'm just <laughs> going back to the times that I was unknowingly being interviewed by Neon was for a period, for an extended period there. She was vegetarian and for a while she was vegan. And um I like that's a very foreign concept to me, but she came up to visit me in Frisco, Colorado, and I took her to the only event that was going on at the time that was like a huge stoke factor, which was like freaking a bar or what was it? it was bacon fest. It was bacon fest in Frisco. And this vegan comes up to visit me and I'm like, let's go to bacon fest. And halfway through bacon fest, she's, I was like, oh my God. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, uh, so is this cool? And she's like, yeah, I can be cool with this. And I was like, wow, this, this person can be cool with just about anything. Like this is someone who could, who could make it across a foreign continent with some like dingle dork. who's like, come on, vegan, let's go to bacon fest. <laughs> yeah. Willingness to adapt and just be, I think it's just a testament to Neon and just being like, this is who I am, but it doesn't mean you have to be that person, right? I'd, I'd say that's hugely been it because there's been a lot of conversations we've had to have in terms of just cultural differences and adaptability where it was even like, let's just, with the dietary restriction, I was like, you know, I, you know, I, I support your, your, your choice and also... Um, elective dietary restrictions is, is a huge privilege that may not be accessible for extended periods in the countries that we're going to, or even down to things like her preference for very reasonable preference for having short hair. And she, we both had very long hair at the time and explaining and being like, you know, we're we're bucking enough cultural norms down there that will be making people very uncomfortable as two women traveling, like as they would always say, solas, like you're traveling alone because, and we'd be like, we're not alone. There's this other woman with me. And they're like, yeah, but you have no man with you. And so having to have the awkward conversation of, of being like, bro, do you mind not cutting your hair? Because that will make us more of a target. Like if you're gonna bring shorts, please only bring long shorts because the machismo down there is super intense and short shorts um, will make us even more of a target, which when you're in tourist areas, you know, you can get away with it. Um, but in some of the areas that we went through, it would be a huge risk factor. So, so things that in the first world, they're like, no, this is a woman's right. You know, in other parts of the world, it's, it's not so much that. So, as a Latin raised white girl trying to explain that to a North American raised white girl and feeling weirdly in between worlds was, um, I don't know, it was, it was some tough conversations up front and her ability to receive that and adapt to that and hear that message, even if she didn't agree with it, um, was like, yeah, this is a person who could, who can survive these kind of um, extreme circumstances we're going to end up in. And you were, semi-prepared for those like you 
were aware of the situations you'd be putting yourselves in or did you guys get to certain scenarios and be like, whoa? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think for me, like having been raised down there, I had some context for it. And I think particularly being raised as like what's called a third culture kid. Um, I, I learned to be a dialectical thinker early on and that's kind of the ability to insinuate different people's perspectives and to, to be a bridge between them. So I think that, you know, my, my social sensitivities while in some environments is like, man, why are you being so sensitive? I can now look back on this journey as well as my childhood and be like, you know, because that's what kept me alive, you know, as a, as a privileged minority, like constantly as a minority in my upbringing, like that watching the situation and reading danger before it becomes danger was really helpful. And even with all of that in my history, we absolutely hit situations that was like, nah, bro, I had no idea. Like, I don't know, man, I went down there like with this idea of we're going to build connection, right? The, the mission of her odyssey is, um, to travel the length of the Americas by human power, um, connecting the story of the land and its inhabitants. And when I started off, it's like, I'm going to be everybody's friend. But when we hit deeply indigenous territory, whether it was, um, you know, particularly it was, um, really intense up around like the Aymara and the, the Quechua or Quechua territory, um, but also the Mapuche in Chile, it was this, real reality check of they were very skeptical of us and very cautious and you know it was you know we'd walk into a town and you know the babies would see us and they would start screaming or if they were over their mom's shoulder and they were screaming and they would see us they would just stop with their mouths open and everybody would stare as we walked through and i realized historically but they had to be skeptical of white people because oftentimes even up until like modern history people are coming in and taking the land rights out from under them like they have such a deep history of persecution and i realized one friendly white lady isn't going to change that narrative and in fact it's not going to be helpful so i learned that like respect was actually not building friendship but it was honoring boundaries and that was definitely not a lesson that i thought you know, I thought I was going to be friends with everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how long are you typically staying in these areas? Like, are you guys always on the move or, I mean, I assume there's rest days in between, but like, do you have the right. opportunity to like build these relationships, even if it's, you know, two little white girls at a time, or is it, you know, there's no, it's just like respect them and respect the boundaries and, just continue to slowly move through and make as little impact as possible. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was largely focused on keeping on moving. What we learned to sustain long-term travel is, you know, we'd stop about once a week for, uh, for a night or two. And then about once, a, between once every one and three months, we would end up stopping for like a week or two to uh, rest. And then probably about once a year, once between like eight months and a year, we would need a longer stop in terms of like our gear was falling apart, our bodies were falling apart, our mental health was falling apart. Like 
you know, Bolivia and Peru, we were on the Altiplano and it's a food desert up there. Um, Nian is, Nian is a, um, a friolenta, they would call her in Spanish. Like a, she, she gets cold easily and she's pretty thin and was getting dangerously thin um, for life at 4,000 meters. And um, so, and the only things to eat up there was, you know, white rice and fried chicken, because even though they're growing the quinoa that the world enjoys, they don't eat it, they export it. So we're having a hard time getting nutrients. So we ended up once a year having to like rest. And we learned that to rest, it was um, bedding down someplace safe or coming home. This is like something I cannot even like pretend to relate to one traveling as a female in general, but two going to like these, I don't want to say crazy, but like these different parts of countries and like the feeling of one, not even be able to get food. Like we live, I mean, I'm in New York, like I can get anything I want at any time, even if I'm going on a big (laughs) camping trip or preparing for a hike or like food is not, it's what flavor of, tablet do you want or what MRE do you want like it's it's such a Mm. simple thing for us here right like it's just a normal Mm -hmm. you have it even when you're traveling in the states and you guys are doing through hikes you have supply drops and resupplies and you know everybody did the PCT and he's like anytime he saw like he could get to a gas station he wanted a payday and a Mountain Dew those were like his those were his like (laughs) things and it's funny because you think, we think, like, you guys must just eat healthy the whole time. And you're like, no, sometimes you just need calories. Like, you're just craving anything we can get. But we can get that in the States. And it's so easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So, like, dealing with, like, how long will this, I guess this is a long, 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 long question. How long will this journey take? You guys are three quarters of the way through, I believe. Is that accurate? About three quarters Lauren, of the way? You, yeah, Neon, I'll let you take this one. All right. Um, we are probably more than, we're probably more like um, seven-eighths of the way through, would be my guess. Um, and it's, we have covered over 17,000 miles um, from the southern end of Tierra del Fuego in Ushuaia, across South America, across Central America, um, and then across North America up to up to Jasper. Um, and so we'll be putting in our putting our canoe in uh, Jasper uh, on the Athabasca, and our plan is to canoe out the Arctic drainage. So you've got. 3,000 miles left ish about about three yeah respect the ish ish Um, we always respect the ish ish. (laughs) (laughs) but this is a 20,000 mile human powered adventure for really fun like there's no you guys are doing this for fun right there is no other greater cause like building some connections but like, why, what's the why on this whole project? And the I guess you can like, both answer that question. Word. For me, yeah, and I think our whys are different. So yeah, for me, the why is like, this, this is my contribution 
to the reframing of the narrative from the supremacy of the white colonialist story um, to something more inclusive and humbling. And from, you know, the base work of having like grown up as a missionary's kid and showing up in these countries, you know, with, uh, with something to say, you know, with a, with a message to bring, that was like all that we were about was, you know, like pushing the, the perspective of, of our uh, faith and to the point of, you know, we'd be sitting on one side of a village with all of these like great teachers in a tent and, and the Catholic church are sitting on the other side of the village with like this great building, but like we don't work together because, you know, they're Catholics and we're Protestants. And being a little girl down there and my dad teaching me like, well, as a woman, you should be treated with respect and, you know, you should behave in this certain way and expect men to treat you in this certain way as all of the relationship dynamics around me were, were the opposite. You know, I was watching the women work harder. I was watching the women carry more weight on their back than the men. And so I, I grew up with those incongruities and it just didn't sit right with me. And so I wanted to go back and instead of going back with a mission to like spread a message, I wanted to go down to like receive the message of what their strength and wisdom is. And then within this odyssey, within her odyssey itself, it's been this shift in narrative from, you know, what I, I guess what I would call at the beginning of like, um, eat, pray, love colonialism of just like, oh, like I'm here for the experience and I'm so enriched about it. And I'm writing these beautiful stories on our blog that's going to inspire you know, our first world followers to just really fall in love with these places, to realizing that it's it's really important to tell as comprehensive of a story as I can and to own the limitations of my perspective. Um, and, you know, to, to point out that the challenges that many of these people live with every day, like, you know, going back to the food thing, it was you know, we just came back from, we had to clean up Central America because we left off because of COVID. We didn't want to ex potentially expose people. It wasn't a time to be traveling. But it was just this really intense confrontation of so much of our best food comes from those areas. And then you see the crap food that they eat and how much opportunity is a human being going to have when as a small child, there's so much malnutrition, there's lack of education, they grow up, there really isn't much opportunity other than, you know, hopefully to pick strawberries and get paid. You know, there's like one of the women we talked to in Chiapas region, um, I think it was like she earned roughly the equivalent to like $7 a day working a 14 hour day. And she tried to come to the U.S. legally one time and she saved and saved. And then it turned out the organization that she gave her money to, it was a scam. So she was just starting over. Like her attitude was just like, so whatever, like I'm going to keep working for $7 a day and I'm going to save up again and I'm going to do it smarter next time. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much. And it's, it's just that spirit choosing to be down there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, it's, I think it's like, that was the difference is like walking alongside like refugees fleeing from Venezuela and realizing like we are down there by choice and we have everything we need in our backpack. And these people 
are fleeing for their lives and they have everything they have in their rolling luggage that they're like dragging along with them. And then, and you know, we have all of the food that we need and yet looking at their faces, they would sometimes have a better attitude about it or even like crossing alongside the Darien Gap and seeing, you know, the refugees like crossing that area. Like they just had such a good and hopeful attitude about it. And I'm like, there's so much we can learn from this spirit of perseverance and adaptation to hardships that we could never imagine. And by my having the option and making the choice to leave the comforts of privilege and just to go bear witness and to bring that story back is my contribution to, um, to shifting the story. And also it's fun, I guess sometimes. <laughs> oh, also it's kind of fun. <laughs> When I'm not getting my ass kicked. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It doesn't sound like you have many of those days. <laughs> uh, yeah, only about two out of every three. <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy. It's insane. Like I can't, normally I can relate to most of my guests. Like I will say that, <laughs> that I'm like, I get that. And I don't get this. And I, and I don't mean that in any way. And that's why I asked your why and Neon, you're up next. So get ready. But like, <laughs> it, it is so fascinating and it's, everyone has their own journey. And I think a lot of us are like purpose. And I think a lot of us are scared to maybe do that. So mm -hmm. just hats off for like doing it. Cause this isn't easy. And the commitment is insane. Like, insane to commit to this and you're still going so i guess with before we even go any further neon what is what is your why like what was the obviously mm -hmm. fidget you know put this idea in your brain and then you interviewed her for a little bit to think about it but there had to have been something and maybe there wasn't maybe it was just fun but what's your why why does this project why is this important to you why do you want to do this why do you continue to suffer and struggle in order to do this um i feel like my why has evolved over time along with the journey um i think part of it is definitely like you know the the um the challenge it's it's a very different challenge but when i first went down to south america with fidget to to santiago and to um what i call getting thrown into the deep end both culturally and interpersonally and um just like we were literally in the middle of patagonia with nothing else around us um it was i was like oh i've never been to like i had never been south of the u.s mexico border and so I was like, oh, sweet, I'll go down to South America and like walking was something that I was comfortable with um, being out in remote wilderness areas was something I was pretty comfortable with. Um, and so then the challenge became like, as Fidget talked about earlier, the the um, the social structures and the societal expectations and the like getting along with a person that is so different from me in stressful 
situations um and it's evolved to so it started out as a like oh that sounds fun like i'll go join you for that um and we'll see what becomes of it and then it evolved into like okay like this is amazing and what else can we see and experience um in south america and just the the evolution of like the people that we met in patagonia were so amazing mm. many of them and um then it became the evolution of like, okay, well now challenge ourselves across Bolivia and get our butts kicked and be sick like all the time. And um, <laughs> to, like ping pong that back and forth between the two of us. Um, and then once we were halfway across the continent, it became a like, yeah, let's finish this. Um, and by that point, I had already been talking about, we had already been like discussing Central America and North America options. And then um, shortly, I think shortly thereafter finishing South America, I was like, yeah, I'm in it for North America as well. Like, what else can we do with this? And um, yeah, so it became the cultural aspect, the the interpersonal aspect, the 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 challenges there, because I, you know, in in North America, in the U.S., you're challenging yourself more. Like you already know the culture, you already know the um, a lot of the the natural things once you've hiked enough in certain areas like yeah there's different wildlife in different places but you can find that information pretty quickly um and so it's like the terrain mixed with the the culture aspect mixed with the learning aspect it just like i feel like it blew my mind like wide open and that's why i say that it's like an evolution of what the why is because i feel like it just changes depending on the um like, yeah, the goal is, the physical goal is still there, but the why, I think, changes and evolves as as different challenges come up. Yeah, I don't think there is a perfect answer, and it's actually like a BS question if you're asking me, so I apologize. But it is fun, cause, <laughs> but, but it is, like, it's interesting, and I think people listening who are maybe, you know, on their commute to work today, and they're listening, and they're like, you know, Maybe my question to them is like, why do you drive to work every day? I can't do that. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that draw. Like, I work, yeah. I make money, but like, I don't have a nine to five. So, like, I want to know their why. So, it's fun to hear your why, both of you, and to hear that it's evolving is just the realest answer that you could have because you might yeah. start with, this is what I think my why is. But as you start doing it, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it just evolves, which is like a, you know, maybe a cliche metaphor for life, but it's true. And it's, I think you both gave like excellent answers. I'm just like, this is kind of what I thought it maybe might be. And now as I'm doing it, it becomes so much more and it will be continue to be more. Yeah. And my thought on that is like, I actually wrote an article or like on my um, personal blog for one of the trails that I did. Um, I wrote an article because people do ask why so much. And like my short answer is, well, why not? Like I have the opportunity, I have the privilege, I have the, 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 
every, so many other things are taken care of for me. So it's like, well, how can I challenge myself in a different way? Yeah, you guys are so humble about it. Like you've you've mentioned the word privilege many times, and it's it's refreshing to hear that you guys acknowledge your privilege and the opportunity that you have to do something like this. Because it is very hard, but it's also something that you are choosing to do. Um, so it's just refreshing to have a conversation with two humans who understand the privilege and the opportunities that they're given. And instead of, you know, walking around with a chip on your shoulder or just doing nothing with the opportunity, you're creating something, you're doing something, you're setting goals for yourself, you're making these connections, and you're sharing these stories and these connections, which will hopefully someone listening or reading your blogs might motivate them to do that. You know, I think Fidget said, you know, we're not going to change the world one person at a time, but if we can change one person at a time, one person at a time, maybe we can change the world. Well, yeah. And I think it's like every single day of our lives out there is hella humbling because, you know, we do get affirmations like what you just gave and that, that, that feeds something. Right. And also the places that we go through, some of them are extremely difficult to survive just moving through with every opportunity and support that we could possibly have. Like, you know, we've done this on a shoestring. And I think one of the amazing things that has shown up is that each time, like time and again, we have this saying in our in our through hiking community, like the trail provides. And every time, like I had to get some dental work that I've been putting off for four months. I had a hole in my tooth. And finally, I was like, I need this fixed before we go up into where we'll be away from doctors for like four months. And I went ahead and I, you know, I was like, I can pull some of my money out of savings um, and I'm going to get this, this dental work done. And I got it done and then I came home and then two hours later, someone had read a newspaper article about us and they happened to have sent us the amount of money that like covered that dental work. And that kind of like, I, I just call it magic, has happened over and over and over again. And that's really what has floated us through. And we come to these environments where it's really difficult to get through them. And when you're there, you see the people who make their, who live an entire life in that environment. And I think early on in this journey, actually, um, very, very early on, we learned the importance of asking permission. Um, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing in Latin America. It's a show of respect. Like, you know, they're going to say yes. Um, and also still you need to ask every time. So when I hear about people talking about, oh, like I stealth camped, you know, they didn't know I was there. It's like, no, like these people know what bird shat the seed that's growing that cactus. Like, <laughs> trust me, they know that some giant white dude just camped in their yard last night, but you didn't say anything to them and they didn't want to be rude. So they let you get away with it because they're being more polite than you are. And we learned through Latin America that it would be important sometimes to stop, particularly in Argentina, man. It was kind of tough because they like chug so much yerba mate. <laughs> and that was how they would kind of feel you out. And, you know, we would hear they'd be like, oh, yeah, there is a path through the mountains that goes over this pass. Um, you know, my uncle and my grandpa like move the goats over that. And so you drink mate with like the right, per with the first right person. And then you'd have to wait until the next day. And then you would like drink yerba mate with like 
grandma and she would decide that you're cool and then you would get to meet grandpa and you're like getting jacked up on yerba mate the whole time so like all of your muscles want to like take off running but you got to sit there and show up for that you got to let them decide that they it's okay for you to go through their mountains and there's even like a conversation with a mapuche woman where you know we showed up in her valley having just gotten our asses beat in the in this like huge storm and um, we're sitting there talking to her and she's talking about the mountains like her neighbors, right? Like they're like friends. She knows them. She's known them since she was a kid. She's been climbing on barefoot. And she just looks at us at one point and she's like, yeah, the mountains used to be really severe. But she's like, ahora son más mansos. Like they're, the mountains are getting pretty lazy. Like, and she looks at us and she goes, they'll let pretty much anyone through these days. And I was <laughs> like, whoa, all right, smack down, mama. Like I accept you're you're right. Like you know, climate crisis has, has changed the environment so much that like it melted out, we're able to get through. And those lessons carry forward now as we hear about things like land acknowledgements and particularly up here in Canada where they're doing a lot of work with it. It's been clearly explained to us that these Northern territories we're going into, they aren't Canada, man. Like they're the Dene people's land. Like, and you need, there's certain protocols that are not legally codified necessarily but they're just good manners like you ask permission before you cross someone's land it's it's the simplest act of connection and respect and so getting that information and and figuring out their systems and saying hey like we're going to come paddling past hay river probably around this time is there anything you need us to do would you like for us to to do a presentation at your school and show the kids what we're carrying and honestly, just having those upfront respects as a modern day adventurer also opens up that opportunity to, to build that bridge and to forge that connection and to begin to, I hope, um, start to repair that trust that has been so damaged and broken um, in the last uh, two to 500 years. <laughs> Yeah. And we, but we, it's true. We live in a world where it's just like, you know, ask for forgiveness or beg for forgiveness. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's when you say it out loud, it's like, oh, you know, I'm guilty of definitely stealth camping. And and maybe it's just because I'm in, you know, the United States of America where they're probably going to tell me no and try to shoot me. But, you know, I, it's yeah, I've had guns drawn on me. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it sucks. You know, it should be we're just yeah. humans being humans. And some somewhere along the lines way before I was alive, um, you know, respect was it just got the white man ruined a lot for a lot of things. And hopefully we can slowly repair that and we can, you know, make the world a better place is really as simple as that seems and sounds. It's like. We're just humans. Like we're brothers, we're sisters, we're moms, we're dads, we're kids. Yeah. Like I don't care where you're from, who you are, like how can I and you guys carrying this like old school traditional way of traveling in a modern era is fascinating. Like it's it's amazing to hear and it's proper. You know, we hear these stories of Everest and there's really great Everest climbers who do it right. And, you know, they take care of their Sherpa and they like as much as you can, because without them, Everest doesn't exist. Right. Like, yeah. And it's so seems so simple. But then you have these small little cash grab companies that are just, you know, 
there's you can greet anything. Um, you know, you can commercialize. We've commercialized Everest, so we've done it. We've really <laughs> ruined everything we possibly could. Uh, so see, hearing you guys do it, just being kind and being humans and offering your services. Maybe it's not money, but it's like, hey, maybe we can come and talk at your high school or talk at like that is the connection and human interaction that this world truly needs i think so it's refreshing hearing you guys say you're doing it that way and continuing to because i'm sure it's not easy to get your butt kicked and then show up for a podcast and show up for a you know a <laughs> high school you know whatever it's you have to be on you have to be i'm sure your characters are you but you still have to be on and so yeah. I'm just saying, I guess I'm just saying thank you for that. Um, and the simplest sentence is just thank you for being you and telling your story and sharing those thoughts. Yeah, dude. Like, I think that's like, you just like hit really close to the heart of what it is. And it's, you know, why it's such an honor to get to like show up on your, on your podcast is like, I think the greatest thing as human beings that we can give one another is witnessing and validating each other's story. And I get it all the time in Latin America, again, particularly in the indigenous communities, they weren't big fans of like cameras, you know, I think they feel objectified by that or like these images are being taken, like not taken of, like they're being taken of them, but to them it feels like something's being taken from them. Right. You're capitalizing but instead on them. I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I just carried a pocket notebook and I would, when they would start talking, I'd pull out my pocket notebook and I'd start writing things down. And I noticed this funny trend that they would like, they'd be like, write this down. Like as they're saying stuff, they'd be like, write this down. And they'd want to make sure that I wrote their, and they were always very, they wanted me to, if I was like, and what is your name? And they would give me their full name. It was very important to them. And they'd look over my shoulder to make sure I had written their entire name down. And so it's just like showing up in that humble space and bearing witness to one another's story and saying, you know, I hear you, I see you, and you are generous. Like, you know, these are the people who gave us water, who gave us food, who, who kept us floating along. And, you know, it's, it's several degrees different because of the amazing technology that we have in between us right now to do this. And it's like, we're getting to do the same thing with you right now, just on a, on a different scale. And so to try to show up in the same spirit in all of those places is a lot of work. And it takes for both uh, Neon and I a lot of time in solitude and in nature to, to keep that balance um, true to the human experience. Yeah, I it's fascinating. It really is. And you guys seem to have just hit the nail on the head with doing it proper. And I'm sure there was highs and lows and there still will be because you, you're at the end, but the end is still 3000 ish miles. So that's, Ugh, that's no a lot end. of bears between us. Yes. Um, if I mean, you're biking, you're walking and you're paddling. Those are your primarily, those are your three options, right? Yeah. Which one would you choose if you could just do one? <laughs> These are going to be different answers. Um, for me, man, I got to say it's the walking. It's the, that's my meditative speed. Okay. And Neon? For me at this juncture, it would be biking. Yeah, I feel like biking's the 
the easy choice. And I don't mean that as anything, but like I would pick bike, like not knowing. I'd be like, bike, obviously, <laughs> right? Like, isn't that, that's the best way to travel if you don't have a car or, you know, if you're not taking a motor, it's bike. I mean, it's easy in some ways, but there's also like the mechanics of the bike that you have to know and like you have to have a certain level of knowledge. Um, but yeah, for me, it w- at the beginning of this journey, I think it would have been walking. Um, but at this point, after about 12,000 miles of walking, um, I think I'm ready to shift to a different sport as my like main <laughs> sport. <laughs> so 12,000 of, of walking, that leaves us 5,000-ish. What are we on the bike and what are we paddling? Is it split? It is, Yeah. yeah. Um, I was talking about 12,000 miles of my own. It'd be about, yeah, eight and it's actually 16,000, but, (laughs) um, it was about 8,000 miles across South America. So we walked all of South America minus a 500 mile paddle that we did in Peru. And, um, then we paddled, what was it? 2000 miles sea kayaking fidget. It's uh, just over a thousand, a thousand sea kayaking, and then about four thousand of biking um, together. And then um, Fidget did the CDT, and since I had already done that, I bike packed um, across the U.S. as well. Another three, two, two or three thousand, three thousand miles. Yeah. You guys are insane human beings. And then another I mean thousand across South, yeah, across Canada. <laughs> I mean that as a compliment in the nicest way possible. You guys are <laughs> insane human beings. Um, I'm going to ask you both this question, but Neon, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Any animal? Any animal. Hmm. I've become quite enamored with the giant sloths that once roamed across okay um across south america so it'd be cool i think it'd be that that like mega mega fauna era would have been would have been really interesting i like that i like that answer see this is cheating for fidget because you already heard the question (laughs) but if you were if you were an animal what kind of what animal would you be and why oh man um I read a Nat Geo article recently that's got me all fired up uh, about gray whales. And um, I think I dig being a gray whale, A, because they're mega migrators. Uh, B, they like hang out socially for a while and then they also just go do their own thing. Um, C, they have this deep cultural memory, like like heredity, you know, they're returning to migratory patterns that they haven't hit for like 600 years. So there's some sort of storytelling going on there. And um, the final one that I really liked is hearing that if a male whale like comes up with a pretty sweet tune that gets all the ladies, all the bros who like hear him singing it, they'll kind of like take it and then they riff off on their own and they like add their own (laughs) little like style to it. And so any species that sings to each other, uh, I think I could get down on being that. So I think it'd be pretty fun to be a gray whale. (laughs) These are deeper answers than I thought I was going to (laughs) get. One thing, 
we'll go we'll go fidget you first. One thing that you always have with you, whether it's whether you're walking, um, biking, or paddling, like what is something you always have to have in your bag? And food is not an acceptable answer. Damn it. <laughs> well, we know we need food. Uh, we know, know we need water. But like, do you have that one thing that you always bring, no matter what it is? Like, absolutely, a pocket notebook and a pen. Okay. And what about you, Neon? I don't know that I do have one thing that I always bring. Like, I do generally have a notebook, but I don't always use it. Um, and is this for like the, the Her Odyssey journey or just like anytime I'm like out and about on a bike or with a backpack on? I think it's any trip, right? Like I have to have like, like I always bring a book and I'm not going on longer trips. Like I'm not going on these trips that you guys are doing, but like I know it weighs too much. But like I go on some bike packing trips and like I want a book at the end of the day. Like that's what like that is like my one. Mm. I'm willing to sacrifice the weight of a book for mm -hmm. you know if that makes the question makes a little more sense Dude, then represent yeah a book was mine for a long time but then i recently went through a period where i wasn't reading as much so yeah probably like a notebook for um and recently it's been i've been trying to get more into art i have not been hugely successful but i do carry around some art supplies like colored pencils or crayons or markers um, and like a notebook for that. Yeah, that counts. The main effect of her art thing has been that she's managed to like stain something blue on every single one of the last like three sections. Yeah, that's like a perfect answer. Like, like I just picture Fidget and like you and, you know, you guys just having like, you know, you're walking together. You're having all the stresses and be like, why are there effing Pen, you know, colored pencils in your bag right now. Like what? Like you're yeah. in a survival situation. Why is my jacket blue? Yeah. yeah, that's that is that is a great answer. Like, oh, why are these? Like, I have wax because I have crayons and they're melted because it's a billion degrees out. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I do have a. This is not. I mean, I don't know what. Where do trail names names come from? Like, why are there stories behind the trail names? Do they have to be given? Give us the answer. Like, what is up with trail names? Can it be? Can you give yourself a trail name? Anyone can answer this one. You guys can interrupt each other. Whatever you want to do here. I think we're gonna have like again different takes on it, right? But it very much like the first rule that we say, or like one of the first rules we say in through hiking is like hike your own hike. And of course, since it's the first rule, like nobody actually lives by that. We all have our opinions as to like what it like how you hop to do it. Um, <laughs> and in my framework of what uh, because of my experience with my trail name and how it came to me kind of against my will and then how much I've come to love it um, is that, yeah, trail name is given to you by the community who know you at your rawest. And um yeah, there's, you know, the story behind the trail name is a big part of, of what makes it. And it's usually given by people who've seen you under fire. And I think that's super cool. Oh, I feel like my trail name would be asshole then. <laughs> there was a guy on the PCT our year whose trail name was Assface. Uh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Nia, what's your take on trail names? Um, I'm pretty firm in the belief that it is a given name. Um, choosing your own can work for some people, but I don't necessarily see it being as fruitful. Um, and then I also like, I used to believe that you needed one. And I have since evolved after meeting multiple people who are like, no, I'm not. I'm just not interested in that. In Don't having like Andy Mac, <laughs> <laughs> and Don, um, yeah. Um, then it's it's kind of like a your own choosing of whether or not you like which one you end up with a good amount of the time. Yeah, that's exciting. I just feel like I never, you know, I see everyone has a trail name and I'm like, how does this happen? And clearly I'm not doing these giant through hikes, so I don't get to experience that per se. But um, it's like a very, it's like a, it's like a club and it's very intimate and it seems, you know, it's, you're part of it if you're in it and everyone has it and you pretty much keep it forever, right? Like it's, you don't change your trail name. Like that's. Does that evolve or no? Some people, some people change trail names um, based on different trails, um, and other people will like take on like one from my original trail family. Her name was Terrapin, and then on her second trail, um, she was moving a lot faster, so then her trail name became Terrapin Flyer. Oh, I like that. That's a good trail name. Yeah, right. Little, little deadhead throwback, um, but. Yeah, so so no, I think that trail names can certainly evolve, and I think that it's indicative of the individual's journey if they let it be. Um, but yeah, like like Neon said, it's I don't know, man. It's a big part of it is the community, and some people are just really solitary hikers, and so and then there are others who are just jonesing, like they want the whole experience. So it's like they'll they'll kind of like uh, hurry for it and. Yeah. So it's there's different approaches, right? Based on your experience. Right. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time. We've been on for about an hour. How can people one find you to support you? Because this doesn't happen for free. I'm positive of that. And uh, mm -hmm. sponsors to thank people to thank. I don't know who wants to take this one, but it's kind of like you know, how do we support you? How do we make this happen and help you get through these next 3000 miles? Oh, we're dude. Thank you for this question. Um, I think, okay. The platforms that we're, if you're just curious and you just want to follow along and read the stories, that's cool. Our platforms are most active on is Instagram, um, where we're trying to keep things pretty relatively up to date. And all of that content also goes over to Facebook. Um, we've got a YouTube channel that's got almost a hundred videos on it. Uh, most of them are goofy. Um, others are of us like trying to resupply without picking up any new plastic. Um, we've got a Twitter that my aunt runs. Um, everything cross shares over there. Uh, if you're into what we're doing and you want to support it, um, you know, the core of what keeps us floating each month is our Patreon community. And um, so, yeah, we're on Patreon, um, as her odyssey and Dave for like, it costs us about a buck, a person, a mile is how the budget breaks down. So if you want to give us a mile a month, um, it's hugely helpful. 
Um, and then sometimes, yeah, just angel givers roll in on PayPal and Venmo and just, you know, drop something, whether, you know, five bucks or 500 bucks like that, you know, blows our little minds and keeps us going. Um, but the big thing I think for us right now, or for me at least, is running our website over at www.her-odyssey.org. Um, if you sign up for our, our blog, um, I'm able to get a blog out maybe like every couple of weeks. And that's where, you know, when a book comes out, when, you know, maybe a bakery or a pottery um, creative endeavor comes out, that'll be the way to, to follow through the rest of the journey with us, as well as to see our maps. Um, and then as well as our list of our helpful sponsors, many of whom who've, you know, been with us since the beginning. And I think the super cool thing about them is that, you know, we were nobodies when we started this. And, you know, a lot of the bigger companies are just kind of like, uh, who even are you? Like, no way. Um, and so all of these folks are willing to like take a chance on like two no names. So those are, uh, purple rain skirt adventure skirts is a small woman run business. Um, and then some of our gear partners is Hyperlight mountain gear. Garmin's got our back, uh, granite gear, our awesome backpacking makers and their hilarious account to follow tokes for our, um, back for our camping stove, um, thermo rest for sleeping comfortably. Zero shoes, so our feet, the soles of our feet, as well as the soles inside our bodies are connected to the ground. Um, farm to feet socks. Dude, Sawyer water filters have come out in a big way. They're our only sponsor who are also supporting us financially because they're on Patreon. They're just rad people and they definitely like their actions are behind their, their deeds stand behind their beliefs. Um, and yeah, everybody we've met along the way and, um, who just get involved. Yeah, it's a long list, but it, it's the corny, you know, like, shout out to my sponsors. But, like, it, you, we need them. And, like, this is, you know, this podcast is funded by sponsors, and it keeps us alive, and it keeps it working and functioning. And, like, you guys are putting in way more work, and, you know, you're talking about it. So they're getting that, that return, right? It's And you're using the products, and, like, there's no better test if you're looking to buy, you know, a Sawyer water filter, like, than seeing you guys using it actually. Like, you're, I'm not using, it's not me using it in my creek, like, <laughs> like making it drinkable water. Like, it's a totally different scenario. And it's, we need it. We need the support and we need humans and a dollar a mile. Like, it's nothing. Everyone should be able, everyone listening, please donate a dollar. Like that's couldn't be easier. Um, it's really, really simple and you can PayPal a dollar, like even easier. You can literally go on your yeah. phone right now and do it. Um, so it doesn't get any better than that. And like the cool thing, the super cool thing to me is, man, it's like, you know, the dollars count like that. We need that to buy the food. We need that. You know, we give gifts like we 10% of everything we get. We give to an on the ground project that we see each month. Like that's so being able to actually like give along the way is a huge part of it. But it's like I'm out here giving my life to what I believe in. And it's something fucking wacky. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's it's nuts. And so when somebody sends that dollar, I'm like, whoa, there's this other person out there who's really into like this insane 
thing. Like maybe I'm not that alone and crazy. And so there's also just that connection that is more than that dollar could ever go. It's just like that, that, that feeling of connection keeps me powered up and, and jazzed. Yeah. And it's, it's the simple things that we can do, you know, don't buy your coffee tomorrow, make a cup and donate $3. Like it's really, (laughs) you know, it really is though. It's that simple. And it's like, if I can help someone fulfill their dream for a dollar, then I owe it to them. I owe them a dollar. Like it's just, it's that simple. Um, so again, anyone listening, please support her odyssey because it's important and they're two rad humans doing rad things and, you know, maybe listen to this and take some of the advice and follow your, you know, your passion, your calling and do it. Cause you just listen to two people who are, who are living it and it's not always easy and it will continue to not always be easy. But at the end of the day, it sounds like it's worth it. So I Thanks, guess what Adam. I'm saying is thank you guys for sharing your story. Um, if there's anyone just personally you want to thank, this is kind of your moment. Um, thank you both again for your patience. I was pretty crappy with communication on Instagram, uh, and I'll put that publicly. <laughs> so <laughs> I apologize for that, but I am a human. So, uh, thank you guys for making this all work. And I will give you guys a few, a few you know seconds here to thank anybody personally. And we'll go from there. Um, I've got to say thank you to all Canadians right now. They've been absolutely saving the day. And then I'm just going to like play a little trick here and say special thanks to all of the uh, Keiths and Dougs of Canada, because I'm pretty sure that's like 25% of Canadian males and have been (laughs) our like huge helps and advisors and getting our canoe and gear and knowledge and everything together. It's just like, I don't know, man. Canada rocks. <laughs> it is a special place. They're mm-hmm. just so kind. And Neon, anyone to thank personally? <laughs> um, I feel like Fidget covered most of it. Yeah, but anybody that is already supporting us, you've been mm-hmm. like a major help and it's great. It's been great to see the community grow as well as just like make those connections within within our own community of of followers and supporters um that we don't even know in person but like fidget has lovely chats with them and then comes down all all giddy and shares them with me (laughs) it's how it works it's a beautiful thing the world can be a very scary place a very big place but also a very small intimate place and with the internet we have those opportunities to do that um thank you guys again i appreciate you guys taking the time so Ditto. There it is. That was the episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Fidget Neon, thank you so much for taking the time. It means more than you know. Uh, I wanted to make a note here. When I started this podcast or I was asked to start this podcast, my life slogan for a long time has been whatever, whenever. And I'm really trying to do that with my guests. I want to cover everyone from wrestlers to through hikers to pro climbers to pro skiers to just people who have stories. So if there's someone that you think you want to hear on this podcast, send me a DM. 
This is the Pursuit Podcast. I wouldn't be anywhere without anyone listening right now. Uh, I'm a little over a year into this, so thank you so much for being a fan. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. And thanks for being you. I'm out. <laughs>